Hey, you guys. Welcome to Hash It Out. This is episode 12. It's Lisette and Andrew Luhar. How are you guys doing today? And we have a special guest for you, and it is Amanda. Ooh, Amanda. <laughs> we are so happy that you could be here with us today, even we're in uh, social isolation or quarantine right now. Um, I know you're probably feeling what we're feeling too, stuck at home all day. It's not fun, but uh, at least we're able to no. have you on the show. We're really excited what you have to share with the listeners. Yeah. Um, Thank you very much. Thank you for coming to Hash It Out with us. Now, Amanda, you said you had some good topics to talk about. Do you want to talk more about that with us? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much both for, uh, for having me on the podcast. Uh, I love Hash It Out. And um, I wanted to come on today because I have a story about my personal journey to sobriety mm-hmm. and where I'm at in my life today. Mm. And I think that there's a lot of people that are, you know, either struggling with alcoholism or trying to get sober. And I think this is a really, really important topic, especially because first off, Amanda, I want to say that you are a survivor. And (sighs) girl, do you have stamina? I feel like you're able to like take on the world. You go through so many things and um, you're still able to pick yourself up. Yeah, thank you so much. It, um, you know, things, things still get hard, but, um, you know, I have these tools to manage them now. And if I can inspire others with my story, that's my only goal. And that's why I'm on here today. Definitely. So, so the, uh, one of the first questions that we want to ask is, uh, what moment or experience led you to your sobriety? Yeah, so I can sort of start from the beginning about mm-hmm. my, my journey and how it got me to where I am today, if that works. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, please. Cool. Okay. So I um, really started my issue with alcoholism uh, in college. In college, Mm -hmm. it was a big party school that I was at. Um, I was in a sorority. I had a ton of friends. When I first started there, I sort of got in with the wrong crowd. Um, and then I, I left for a little bit because my partying just got a little out of control. Um, and I came back and I made some better friends, but the party continued just without the consequences. Mm. Um, I, I loved drinking. I loved going out. I was the social butterfly. Um, I experimented with a lot of party drugs and for me, it was a huge part of my social life, if not my sole social life. Uh, I always wanted to be the last one at parties. I, I wanted to be friends with everyone. And uh, I had a lot of self-esteem issues that I needed validation to feel mm-hmm. like I was well-liked, to feel a sense of self-worth and feel good about myself. And I, you know, thought that I found that through my partying, you know, because if she's the last one at the party, She's yeah. cool. She can, you know, she can hang. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's where it really all started. Um, I, when I graduated, I had horrible, horrible grades. I just, there's, I didn't really care that much about school. Social life was my, you know, the only thing I was running on for mm-hmm. to be happy. And I sort of continued that after I graduated. Um, I worked at a startup and I worked in the music industry and it was a very heavy, 
happy hour party culture and that too. So I continued to act like I was still in college and I continued my drinking. I went out almost every night. Um, there were very few days and nights that I wasn't sober. Um, and it, it sort of just got a lot worse. Um, now I've struggled with mental health my, my whole life pretty much. And as I got older and hangovers hit a little harder, mm. uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't handle myself in the same way and had no control over my emotions. Now, yeah. I used it as a coping mechanism to sort of numb out my feelings, to numb out mm. depression, anxiety. And it, and it worked, you know, it worked for a while, but then the next day I'd wake up or the come down of the drugs and mm. I would just be so miserable and so depressed and nothing made me feel better until I started drinking. Mm. And um, throughout my life, I've undergone um, a ton of trauma as well. Um, some really toxic relationships and I didn't let myself feel those feelings. I had to numb out. I had to not deal with that. But in reality, what I was doing was just prolonging those emotions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That I wasn't dealing with them. I wasn't processing anything that happened to me. Um, and so I was sort of just putting everything on pause. But in my head, I was stopping it and I would never have to deal with that again because that way of life was working for me. Yeah. Thank you so, yeah no thank you for that you know and yeah. and honestly I think that everything that you hit on like uh, I'm a recovering um, addict and I'm in sobriety too and you mentioned some yeah. of the things that hit right on um, you know on every little thing that I've dealt with like with um, instant gratification wanting mm -hmm. to people please right like codependency oh yeah um, looking for validation, approval. And in reality, what we need to, I think, what we weren't able to see then, and now that we're in sobriety, I don't know if you experienced the same thing, is more loving loving yourself, having more self-respect, having dignity, right? We're able to get yeah. that back with sobriety. Yeah. Well, so congrats to you on your journey. That's, that's amazing. And um, I will say that when you meet other um, alcoholics, there's always a sense of relatability. There's so much overlap in how we drink, why we drink, you know, what we did um, and what we experienced through it. And that's one of the beautiful things about that. And, you know, if you asked me three years ago if I would ever love myself, I don't, I don't think I would have said yes because it was just so mm. far away for me. Um, and I didn't really put in any effort to, to sort of work on that and, and you know, build self-confidence. Um, but I can, I know you asked um, what led me to sobriety. Yeah. So um, it actually started in grad school, um, just like you guys, you know, That's I'm in awesome. Instagram. Yeah. Um, I'm from New York City in August. And ready to start my social work program now when I went into it I um, had no idea what exactly I wanted to do just wanted to be a therapist yeah but mine I graduated um, three years before I started school here I was 
never good at school. I forgot what that pressure was like. I forgot how to, you know, be a student. Yeah. And um, I came out here and of like having a new life of maybe my partying will, will go down because I'm in school. And we actually call that uh, a geographic in AA. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you move, hopefully, you know, thinking that the problem is the city. Yeah. You're just, it's just one alcoholic going from another, um, from one place to another place and continuing their behavior. Yeah. Uh, and I recognized that right away, of course. And I didn't think I had a problem. I never once labeled myself as an alcoholic. I never once reached out for help. I, I was not honest with doctors, with anyone who asked me how I drank, say socially, because, well, I was being social. You know, I was drinking, you know, like, fair. Definitely. And, <laughs> I, I can relate to that. So <laughs> I understand what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. Well, al- we're sneaky. Alcoholics are sneaky. We don't want anyone to tell us to stop our behavior because we love our behavior at the time. Yeah. We don't, we don't, we don't need that to stop. Um, so um, I came out here and I was about a, one month into the program. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so I have a huge issue with procrastination and I'm still working on that one. It's a to get you here on the show. That's for sure. I love the fact that you're calling yourself out on a lot of things, but you know, that, oh, yeah. that shows a different side to you. It seems like you've been able to grow throughout all of Ab- this. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But so with the procrastination piece, that's sort of played into um, what I consider my rock bottom. Mm. Um, it was one month into the program and I, once again, after saying I would never do it again each time, uh, just like I said, I would never drink again a million times. I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to procrastinate this time. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, the day before um, a USC football game mm-hmm. that I was really excited about. But I pulled an all-nighter to write not one, but two papers. Wow. Start to finish. And I was not feeling good after that all-nighter. And um all I wanted to do was celebrate it. And then I wanted to drink, but I didn't take a nap. I had a full day of class and then I had plans to go to the football game. And I was like, yeah, I need this. I need to party. I need a drink. Mm-hmm. I got to the stadium and I was super mad that apparently uh, they don't sell alcohol there. So that was really the only thing that I wanted. Oh, <laughs> so I left. Just kidding. <laughs> so, so I left the game and went to the bar. Mm-hmm. And I was like, they have TVs. Let me watch it there. Um, ton of mixed drinks later, hard cider, you name it. Um, that was the last thing that I remember. Yeah. I, I wake up in the morning the next day. Don't remember how I got home. Um, I had a friend who told me that uh, I took an Uber, which is good. <laughs> and, um, and I woke up and I was just so emotional, so sad, so scared. And um, I sort of pieced everything together slowly. Yeah. And I realized that I had done some very self-destructive behavior that night and I didn't remember it. And I, it, it was, this was, a, you know, seriously a traumatizing experience for me, but I, um, called the suicide hotline that I don't remember. I, I'm, I have, I've never been um, 
suicidal before and I've never wanted to cause harm in myself. And that wasn't how I was feeling earlier in the day. It was what happened is my alcoholism took the driver's seat and I was not driving that car. And I had no control over my actions. But what I found was really interesting. I went on my phone and went into my photos and I had recorded a video of myself saying, this is bad. You should stop drinking. Wow. So I, it was a cry for help from myself. And I didn't, even after that, I didn't think that drinking was the problem. I thought it was my mental health. So I found, um, I went to the counseling center uh, with every intention of going into some sort of rehab, but still in denial about my alcoholism. Mm. Because, uh, you know, when I thought of alcoholism before that, I, you know, I thought of the, the stereotypical, like, um, homeless man drinking out of a paper bag or, or somebody who wakes up <laughs> in the morning and, and takes their first drink. And I was like, well, I don't do any of that. So this does not apply to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But um, I found a treatment center that ad- addresses both mental health and substance use disorder. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it took me a while to kind of come to terms with what the real problem was, that it was, um, you know, substances that, that were my issue. And I was taking quizzes. I think I took a BuzzFeed quiz at one point. Am I an alcoholic? You got 100% wrong. <laughs> it's, it's bad. That is not a good quiz doesn't make sense yeah. so that was just that just goes to show how in denial I was yeah, <laughs> I like the fact that you bring up how you know when somebody thinks about an alcoholic it's usually you know the stereotypical person drinking out of a bag right or drinking oh, yeah. wine out of a box um but you know in reality <laughs> I think a lot of you know the alcoholics a lot of us try to become those fancy alcoholics by creating our own drinks, going out to bars, drinking the best beers instead of, uh, yeah. so that we will say like, no, we're just, you know, we're trying new things. We're being our, we're being crafty. We're trying, you know, IPAs. Yeah. We're, you know, <laughs> I'm drinking yeah. a martini. What do you mean? I'm trashy, you know? <laughs> no, I, I am fancy. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, you know? I, I think I did that on so many occasions too, but you know, the fact that you understood that you needed help and that you recorded yourself and actually told yourself like, Hey, like, you know, this isn't good. That's very, very powerful. And I don't know if you think this, but I think your higher power was trying to tell you something with all of this. Oh, absolutely. I think that uh, people in AA do actually say that they're grateful. Um, you know, alcoholic, and um, however, however you want to word it, that rock bottom that night that I hit was one of the most traumatic experiences of my life. Yeah. But without it, it wouldn't have woken me up. Mm. You know, and with rock bottoms, um, that's, that's a term that you'll hear a lot talking to the community. But you don't need a traumatizing experience like that or, you know, what you consider a rock bottom to, uh, you know, venture into sobriety or just in any aspect of your life, make changes. You know, you don't need to wait until things get really bad. Mm. Your rock bottom uh, is when you decide to stop digging. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I love that you pointed (laughs) that out. I love the fact that you're identifying your rock bottom. 
And a lot of us, yeah. and you know, this, we, we all go through many bottoms, but when you hit that last one, you know it. And you know that you, you know it because you start looking for the help that you need. You start feeling like, okay, this is going to kill me. It's either going to, you know, make me get lost into it or kill me. Like the only way out of it is to, for absolutely. me to look for help. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, that night woke me up of this, could be you know what ends my life and I and I walked myself into that treatment center and I said I need help mm-hmm. and that for me was how I was so willing from the very start after years of not being willing now there are many ways that people go you know start their sobriety journey sometimes it pushes from friends family uh, significant others, things like that. And you can develop the same sense of willingness when you start the program. Yeah. Um, but everybody is capable of that, whether you walked in yourself or not. Yeah, yeah I think it's yeah. obviously making the first step, making that choice. You want to make that change is very important. And you've done that clearly. Yeah, you're definitely yeah. resilient. You remind me of the phoenix that rose from the ashes, <laughs> you know? <laughs> So keep up the good work. And with all of this, so I do want to ask something because a lot of us are not fortunate enough to have resources and we sometimes have to detox ourselves without any help. I do want to ask like what research, what resources, if any, did you know of and did you use? Yeah. So when I came into the treatment center, um, I enrolled in the intensive outpatient program and it's actually a place near campus um, that has students and grad students. And, you know, before that, the resource I had was my therapist and then the counseling center as well that sort of helped guide me there. Um, but once I was there, they um, actually required that I go to AA meetings. And that idea absolutely scared me and it took me a little bit to go. But the, what I, is that anybody who thinks they don't have resources Everyone does. There are things all over the world. Mm -hmm. And and the AA will never shut its doors on you. There is something many times throughout the day in whatever area you live in. And it is the same fellowship of alcoholics. It's the same sense of community. It's people that will support you and that will listen to you and will help you to become a better person and that you can help other people to maintain sobriety and people people as well um so and then um the other tool is that uh, i got a sponsor pretty early on and she has changed my life i relate to her so many levels and um she started taking me through the 12 steps Mm -hmm. um that's something that continuing to work on with her but what is amazing about the 12 steps is not only is it helping you maintain sobriety but it's helping you become the best version of yourself that you see not everything in it the steps are rooted solely to your drinking yeah there are terms of behavior there are choices that you make you're able to alter and um, who you want to be, how you want to behave, how you want to interact with people, yeah. all of these. And it's um, just amazing that we have this toolbox that we can mm-hmm. use. Yeah. But if you're not trying to be sober or doing the 12 steps or in the program, yeah. some, 
so much of these, you know, exercises can be done in just taking inventory of your life and, um, you know, doing writing exercises, going to therapy, there are no matter where you are, and you know what your financial status is, there are resources at your And Amanda, um, my question is, uh, where do you see yourself today? Ooh, that's a, that's a big question. <laughs> um, so I so my sobriety date is actually uh, September 23rd, 2018. So beautiful. I've been I've been sober for a little over a year and a half. And it's Congrats. crazy because it doesn't thank you so much. Um, it doesn't feel like that much time like that doesn't seem like so much time that went by. But I don't even recognize who I used to be anymore. I, I, you know, and I'm, I'm, you know, ever growing and, and changing and, you know, work continuing to work on myself. And that's a long process. But the friends that I have, the relationships that I've created, the relationships that I've repaired, um, you know, and, ev- you know, everything that I used to be like, but also that I still be like, because I'm taking daily inventory and working on my, my problems now. But I'm just, you know, I'm a better speaker. Every aspect of my life, every single facet has changed for the better. And I couldn't be more grateful for that experience and helping me get there. I mean, my mental health has improved. Um, my grades are unbelievable. Um, that <laughs> sounds a little, uh, uh, it sounds a little boasty, but I feel like it's such a success for me from where I was then to where I am now, I just never thought it would be possible. And I feel like that gives me a little bit of bragging. Right? Does. <laughs> well, I got um, yeah. Yeah. Well, to say that, like, I've had the opportunity to meet you. And I think you're an amazing, amazing person. And honestly, there's times when I'm struggling with something and you reach out. And that says a lot. That says a lot about a person, where they're at, what their mentality is. And it seems like you're on the on the right track. And, you know, with that being said, too, though, and I, I'm curious to know this, like, is alcoholism still an issue in your life today? Yeah, well, thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. Um, I will say in response to that, that I, you know, one of the reasons I want to become a therapist is to help people, because for me, there's no better feeling than when you're helping somebody. Mm. Um, And, you know, Today, I mean, especially in this climate that we're in right now, like I, you know, I'm recording from, from my own home right now, and I, it's somewhere that I, I have to be for the government, yeah. and things can get really challenging. Um, I can I was really thinking about. Uh, now I'm from the East Coast, and I lived through Hurricane Sandy mm. and Hurricane Irene blackouts at school I went to college in Florida and we had hurricanes and I called them hurricane parties I was so (laughs) drunk throughout all of these events yeah I got nothing done I was not productive I and just thinking about where I am right now in this quarantine I'm waking up early I'm you know doing some mindfulness videos and yoga and home workouts where I'm dancing in front of my tv like an idiot keeping that routine (laughs) And FaceTiming with friends, <laughs> you know, and getting all my, my homework done, staying on top of my life. And I'm, I'm just so happy. Yeah. And it's just the comparison there is unbelievable. 
But, you know, there are, there are times that I'll get triggered and I'll think about, you know, wanting to, to drink for a minute. Um, you know, especially last year, I went through a lot last year um, with my mental health, with some changes in my life and um, a, a lot of grief. The, so I went through all of that and I was triggered to drink at, at several moments, but I didn't because what works for me is playing the tape. I, I need to, you know, turn on that on that camera and, and look at the film. What would that look like if I took a drink right now? Because it wouldn't be just a drink. It would, my life would spiral. I would lose a lot of things in my life. I would go back to old ways. I, I don't want to regress. I don't want to go back to that. I don't want to give up anything that I've gained from this. And knowing that allows it to pass pretty, pretty quickly. Yeah. No, thank you for that, you know, and, and thank you for sharing that and just knowing you were able to notice where you're at today, like, you know, in life and the issues. I think alcoholism is very cunning. What do they say? What's the saying? Cunning, um, baffling. Cunning, baffling, powerful. <laughs> and I think it still stays with us. I think it's, um, it's an obsession that we have and we carry with us. But I think that you can confidently say that you're not in that place anymore that you've been able to move away from it, even though it still continues to carry on in some actions. Do you feel like that? Yeah, no, absolutely feel like that. Um, kind of through everything, you know, like you said, we, we do call it an obsession and, you know, we can get really fixated and we can also have our addiction translate to other areas of life. Like I started eating a lot of sugar and, you know, <laughs> drinking too much caffeine or compulsively shopping online with money I didn't have. Yeah. And, you know, it's something that's always there, but it's something that we can manage. And we have all these tools at our fingertips, and beautiful friendships and community. And, it, you know, I'm just I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. No, thank you for that. Thank you for, you know, elaborating on that. And I know that we've been asking you questions left and right because we're so interested in finding out more about you. We're just interested about like everything that you've accomplished so far and in what ways you've been able to move forward. But um, we also wanted to ask, well, Andrew had another question. Yeah, um, what impact did your sobriety have on those around you? I think everyone has told me that they notice in an, an, an unbelievable mm -hmm. change in me. Um, I I had damaged a, a lot of relationships in my life, and you know, done some wrong by some mm -hmm. people. And when I told people, I was so nervous telling everybody that you know I went to rehab, or you know, saying that I'm sober. And maybe you know, I thought people would think that I'm like not fun mm -hmm. anymore. Or any of that and it was the exact opposite reaction basically without them saying it they basically were kind of like finally <laughs> you know like they saw that but I had to get right. through myself and um. <laughs> it was really just um people that comment on where I am now and knowing what I go through and how I handled it and who I am as a person what are what are like the it's, like the three top things that yeah. you could um, influence listeners from your story? 
top three things. Okay. I think that I would say number one is it is so important to reach out for help when you mm-hmm. need it. Yeah. Whether it's not help for an addiction, for mental health, for, you know, just wanting more love in your life. It is something that's hard and, and it's scary, but there's always going to be somebody who is willing to help you. And, you know, you should not have to carry a burden of, of struggling through anything that life throws at you alone. Yeah. Um, and so just trusting that you will get whatever help you need is probably the first thing that I would mm-hmm. say. Definitely. And you know what? It, throughout this like whole, com- you know, with you sharing your story and telling us about everything that you've been through, you know, I keep hearing the same, um, what is it, like the same, like three things come up, right? And one of them is, you know, you came in broken. You came in broken. And I think that that happens to a lot of like alcoholics, right? When we come into the program, we're broken, mm-hmm. broken down. We've lost everything. <laughs> Second thing was seeking help, you know, letting go of our pride, letting go of our ego, like not polishing yeah. it anymore. And the last thing is looking for redemption, right? And being able to overcome things and becoming and becoming resilient to things. And I think your story carries that throughout the whole time and it's very powerful it's very um compelling and i hope that this message gets out and that people are able to relate and people are able to say you know what she was able to go through it and she had some pretty bad flaws but look at where she's at now you know and continue continue on that path please don't don't stop because i think you have a lot of good things ahead of you Thank you. Yeah, I have, uh, I have no intention of, of stopping. And, you know, I, I see a really bright future, but I, I put in the work to get there. It wasn't just, you know, it didn't fall into my lap. Um, this, so the second thing that I would say is rely on the people in your mm-hmm. life. Because the biggest thing that got me through everything was a sense of mm. community. And, and that's something you'll find literally anywhere. Um, so don't let yourself be alone, you know, in, in misery with your feelings. It's beautiful. Connect. Just call someone, any, anyone, a friend, a family member, your significant other. If people can pull you out of things just with love and support. Thank you. Thank you for that. One last thing to wrap this all up. Yeah. Um, you know, what message do you want to say to the suffering alcoholic since you've been able to go, go across those trenches? Um, you know, what message would you want to give to anybody who's struggling with this or is in, in the dark shadows? I think that I would say that to not give up to not throw in the towel, to know that there is light at the end of the tunnel. And it is so worth putting in the work to get there. You are not alone. So many people have been in your position and have recovered and found, you know, a better way of life. And so if you persist, and do the work and, you know, re- use all the tools that I mm-hmm. mentioned, you will get out of that dark place. 
you all you have to do is take the yeah, first, taking the step, first step. Whether that's walking into a meeting or you know calling someone, that first step is yeah. The first step is a very important, and um, I'm really really proud of you that you did to take the first step, and um, I'm really really proud of you being on our show today. And thank you so much for sharing your story, yeah. and um, thank you for hashing it out with us. Definitely, Amanda. Thank you. thank you. Thank you so much. We are grateful for this. And you obviously have a compelling story and you were not afraid to stand and shine. So thank you for that. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. Hashing it out is something we all need for sure. And I'm, you know, I'm grateful to have both of you in my life and grateful to have a platform to share my story and hopefully inspire Thank others. Thank you very much. So thanks again. Well, with this, we will be closing the show and um, have a beautiful, beautiful day, you guys. And thank you for tuning in. See you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye.